How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Go to cnbcmakeit.com slash courses to register now and learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course where experts share their secrets for a dynamic resume, coming across with confidence, what to wear, and more. For a limited time, save 50% with our introductory offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses. Hey there, we are live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. We have a big show ahead. You guys are getting ready for that right behind me. In the meantime, here's what's coming up. It's not just a wish. Disney's shares are near one-year highs. And Carter Worth says the charts are pointing to more when the company reports earnings next week. He'll break it down. Plus, how would you like to get long shares of AMD for next to nothing? Dan Nathan will explain how to do it. And as one social stock after another tumbles, traders are eyeing one name in particular for next week. And here's a hint. Mike Coe has the snap trade. It's time to risk less and make more. The action begins right now. It sure does, so let's get to it because next week is all about media earnings and Disney in particular. Dow stock has been on a bit of a magical rally, closing out its fourth straight week in the green. That's the longest winning streak in nearly three years, with shares just below their 52-week high. So how should you play it into the report? Let's get straight to the chart master, Carter Worth. Carter, what do you think? Sure. So just as you suggested and said, and Disney has come to life of late, uh, the precondition of underperformance with nascent outperformance is often a good setup. So consider the chart here, a three-year chart. This is the underperformance, right? Disney in blue, basically no progress in three years as equities in general, as measured by the S&P, have gone higher and higher. So if we just put a little highlight there, that is, that is the setup, underperformance, but they've come, Disney has come to life of late. Let's move on. So here's the chart of Disney, no judgments or annotations by me. Let's put in some lines. One way to look at it would be as follows. A head and shoulders bottom. And the inference would be that ultimately we would get to the high and that we would break out. Another way to draw the lines would be as follows. A cup and handle. But the same proposition, that we're back to a high, we're contending with the high, and that we are setting up for a presumptive breakout. Another way to draw the lines. A wedge meaning it's the same principle. Tension at a former high, the presumption is out. Okay, let's pull it back a little bit longer term. Here is the dull period, the dead period. Let's draw some lines on that. And what we've got is this, this tension. Now, if you were to zoom in here, what's happened is that we've actually broken above the upper band of that um, wedge. So that's the beginning. Let's pull it back even further. Here's really long term going back to a period where Disney was dead, came to life, and then is dead again. Are we about to reassert ourselves? Put in the lines. And again, we are just starting to move above that key upper band. What I'm thinking here is pretty big move. Again, I like the outperformance up 9% in the past month versus the S&P up 3 with the precondition of three years of underperformance, buying Disney into earnings. Wow, all right. Mike, what do you think of everything Carter said, and, and what's the Disney trade here then? Well, so, you know, this is interesting because it was almost exactly three years ago that Disney, which had historically traded at, at a premium to the market, had that earnings disappointment in 
summer of 2015, and it basically sort of lost all of its mojo. It's trading right back, essentially, to that exact same level. What's interesting is that around that time, full year 2015, the company made just over $5 in EPS, and it's probably going to do over 7 now. So basically, you're buying the stock with 40% more earnings than it had in 2015, but you're getting it for the same price. So it's trading at a discount to the broad market. I like that. Options, though, Premiums are elevated going into earnings. They are obviously always going to be that way, but even more so now than usual. It's implying about a 4% move above the 3.3% it usually does. I think we should take advantage of that elevated premium, look to sell. The August 115 calls, you could collect $1.80 for that when I was looking at that earlier today, and then use that premium to help finance the purchase of the October 115 calls for $3.60. Now think about that for a second. You have the August options, which have two weeks to expiration, and the October options, which have more than two months to expiration, and they're only double the cost. The idea here is that those short-dated options are going to decay. We're going to obviously mitigate the cost of that elevated options premium and get to take a longer-term bullish bet on the stock at a lower cost. Is this so, how you're doing? I, you know, I think this trade makes a lot of sense. If we talk about calendars a lot into events, you're kind of threading a needle a little bit. So if Carter's right and you get that breakout, this is not exactly the right trade to have on. You agree with that? I think what Mike's saying is he's positively, uh, positively inclined from a fundamental standpoint, but you could see the thing consolidate a little bit around 115. Now, a move above that, you still make money. A move below it, it if it doesn't go too far below it, you still own that October 115 call, which will be the level that it breaks out. It's going to go from 115 right to 122, which was the all-time high made three years ago. And I think that's probably what you're playing I mean, for. that's the price objective, right? Yeah. But the tension is there, and that's yeah. what makes a good trade. It could all be a bust, go the wrong way, but the setup is right. And because you do have these multiple formations, head and shoulders, bottom, you've got a pennant, you've got a cup and handle, and you have that long-term setup. And again, it's up 9%. The past month, beating the market, having underperformed, it's quite right, I think, for something special to the upside. Mike, last word on Disney. Yeah, I mean, I think the critical point that I would make here is that, obviously, we've already had quite a move, and we're expecting that to continue. And I'm sort of thinking that maybe half of that move is already done, and that's the reason why I'm willing to sell that option. Because, obviously, if I thought it was going to be a sharp move, I wouldn't be selling any options on it at all. All right, now to the hottest tech stock of the year. That's advanced micro devices. The chip stock is on an absolute tear. It is up 80% in 2018 and hitting its highest level in more than a decade earlier this week. Dan, you think it could be right for a further breakout. Well, it's interesting. You know, last week this company reported, and they actually guided below where street consensus was, but it didn't matter. The stock went up. And when I look at this sort of price action with a stock that's up 80% on the year, like you just said, act really well um, despite bad news, it, it makes me feel like something's kind of going on here. You know, it's got an $8 billion market cap. It's got a really great balance sheet, um, just not a whole heck of a lot of debt. The net, just, just a few hundred million. Um, and the thing is doing um, better than Intel in a bunch of areas, something that it hasn't done in a long time. And I think this is really important. You know, there was a time last year when these guys were growing sales in chips for crypto mining. Well, the company just guided the second half of this year to crypto mining sales down 50%. You've basically taken a lot of risk out of that being something that could draw the stock down, okay? And it could be a huge, um, it could be a huge uh, tailwind if it were to go up. So to me, I just think kind of this stock acts like there's somebody who wants to take it out. Um, so to me, I, I don't want to buy a stock at $18.5. It was trading $9 earlier in the year. But I want to use options to kind of set up a structure where I'm not 
make, uh, paying any premium, but I have leverage to an upside move. And I was looking at an October expiration today when the stock was trading at 18 and a half. You could do something called a call spread risk reversal. You could sell an out of the money put and use the proceeds to buy an out of the money call spread. And specifically looking at October, you could sell the October 16 put at 55 cents and you could use the proceeds to buy the October 21, 25 call spread for 55 cents. This is how this trade makes money. As the stock goes up towards that 21 strike, the calls will appreciate and the put that you're short will depreciate and you should have gains on a mark-to-market basis. On October expiration, between 21 and 25, you can have gains of up to $4. The worst case scenario is that the stock is at 16 or lower and you are put 100 shares per one put that you are short. That's the worst case scenario. That's down about 14% from current levels. I just want to make one point when you're saying 25 bucks, what are you talking about? I have a couple charts here that kind of help me inform these strikes. Here's a five-year chart. It shows you how important this 15-16 level was, a breakout. I'll let Carter speak to that a little bit. That's probably a level I'd be okay buying the stock, okay? And then look at this chart since 2000. It shows you just how important that level is. And if this thing gets going, and there really are takeover chatter going on, this is going to be up 30 35%. That's where the takeout level is. It could be higher. Mike the Cohen, key is the yeah. 16%, the uh, 16 level, excuse me, that, that Dan signed. That's the level from which it gapped up post-earnings. So having, worst case, having it put to you there is really, um, frankly, an excellent entry point if one weren't anticipating it. But it doesn't even have to get down there. The way this looks is it's just about to explode up. This type of a structure, I think, really makes sense in this case for the reasons that you highlighted. Number one, the stock has gone up. One of the things you didn't point out, though, is that options premiums aren't cheap in this thing at all, which is the reason you want to be short that call and short that put. You look to sell more options when premiums are elevated. Take a look at the cost of the October straddle in this thing. It's about two and a half bucks on an $18 stock. So the stock's going to have to move substantially if you're just an outright premium buyer. So using a structure like this, if it just sits here, you're likely to see some profits right here as those wing options decay more rapidly than the one you own. So I want to make a point about the stock up 80% of the year. What was the best performing stock in 2016 the entire S&P 500? What was the best performing in 2017? What was it called? NVIDIA. 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 That's one of their biggest competitors in a lot of different areas. AI for cloud computing, servers. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on here. I think this is an asset that's kind of $2 cheap in terms of what you could get it for if you're trying to compete with NVIDIA. So to me, the price action of this thing speaks to something else that's going on here. For everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. And while you're there, sign up for our newsletter. It's what I'll be reading this weekend. So what are you waiting for? And here's what's coming up next. You won't believe just how much traders see Snap moving when the social giant reports next week. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Go to cnbcmakeit.com slash courses to register now and learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course where experts share their secrets for a dynamic resume, coming across with confidence, what to wear, and more. For a limited time, save 50% with our introductory offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses. Welcome back to Options Action. Snap is the last of the social stocks to report earnings next week. Let's get to Julia Borston with a look at what we can expect. Hey, Julia. 
Michelle, when Snap reports its second quarter earnings Tuesday afternoon, investors and analysts will be looking for signs of momentum after user growth and revenue fell short of expectations last quarter. Analysts expect Snap to grow revenue 38% year over year to $251 million, while they also expect the company to lose 17 cents per share in the quarter. That's a cent more than the company lost in the year-ago quarter. The options market is pricing in a 17% move in either direction for the stock. Now, Snap's rivals, Facebook and Twitter, have suffered since their earnings reports. Last week, on concerns about slowing growth, European privacy regulations, and a greater focus on safety and security impacting their bottom lines, raising concerns that Snap may suffer from similar trends, particularly when it comes to slowing user growth. Since Snap's IPO last March, the stock is still down about 25%. Wedbush analyst Michael Pachter is still concerned, adjusting estimates for the second quarter lower to reflect updated growth assumptions for daily active users, saying downloads of the app in the second quarter suggest weaker daily user growth than he previously modeled. We'll see what CEO Evan Spiegel says about gaming and other categories that could drive growth. Michelle, back over to you. All right. Thanks for that rundown, Julia. Really appreciate it. So given the moves that we saw in Facebook and Twitter, out should you ghost snap into earnings mike's at the plasma with the call to action mike yeah so we're going to take a look at doing a put calendar kind of like disney but maybe on steroids in some respects options are very expensive as julia just pointed out implying a 17 percent move in either direction on earnings so that means if you're going to make a directional bet just doing it outright is going to be too expensive one other quick point this is true also of Tesla, you have a very high short interest. And what that could mean is it could create some level of support if there is a disappointment. We're going to try to play to that as well. Finally, just taking a look at the thing fundamentally, Julia also just spoke to that. We are looking at essentially not only the active user rates and, and ads, but we're also taking a look at the ad cost, which has also been weak. We can take a look at this at the chart here. I'm going to let Carter speak to that. This doesn't look very good to my eye, though, and it's consistent with the fundamental thesis. So what is the trade we're going to take a look at here? Specifically, I was taking a look at the August-January 12 put spread. You could sell the August 12 puts for 75 cents. The January puts are almost about double that cost at $1.55. So basically, you're going to spend just 80 cents to do that. Now, some important points about this. By selling that very expensive near-dated option, we're improving the likelihood that this trade is going to be successful. First of all, if the stock doesn't move that much at all, you're going to make money because of the decay. In the longer term, it doesn't need to fall as much because we collected 75 cents. So you can see 90% chance that it hits 12, 75% chance that it hits 11. It doesn't actually have to get down that low. But to get to 10, which is essentially where you would need it to go if you're just going to buy that January put outright, obviously the probability is much lower. So we're trying to improve our odds of success, factor in that short interest as we take a look at this trade. Got it. Okay, Dan, what do you think of Mike's strategy? Well, it's interesting. The company's been public for five quarters. It's moved on average 25% at a day following each quarter. Only one of those has been up, and when it was up, it was up almost 50%. So to me, what I think the most important thing about this trade is that Mike's probably paying for a little less than the average move over the last five quarters. And I think the fundamental point that to really focus on, obviously, users and revenues. If they miss on that, the stock's going back to the lows that it traded at May after they disappointed last quarter. But they have a new CFO. They brought this gentleman in from Amazon. And I think the way he guides is going to really set the course for the next few months of this. So that, I think that's the most important thing to watch for into this Car print. Carter, what did you think of that? Well, chart? sure. I mean, you, you said it right there. I mean, uh, anything that's basically going up and to the right is good. 
Uh, and anything's <laughs> going down to the right is bad. Sometimes it's as elemental as that. And There's that's going down to the right. Down to the right, right. Yeah. right? And it's got, uh, it <laughs> also, it's got some gaps. Now, it did gap up on, on an earnings beat or an earnings miss that wasn't as bad. But the most recent gap is down. And here's this. If your first day in life is your best day, it's never good. The thing came out of the gate, the IPO, and it's basically been happy ever since. You know, you pointed out that they've only had five quarters of yeah. earnings results and that they have had some fairly sharp moves on those earnings. That's actually typical. If you have an IPO, usually it's those first few earnings results where you're going to see the most violent moves. It doesn't matter whether it's a big company like Facebook or a smaller one like Snap. This is sort of a consistent pattern that over time, investors become more acclimated to the stock and their expectations are basically more measured. And so you don't see as big gaps, which is why you have a 17% implied move, but it might actually look small in a historical context. Mike, for the viewer, though, like, this is a vol trade, you know, volatility trade for all intents and purposes. And so the worst case scenario, the premium that you have at risk, right, you're selling the short data and you're long the long. What's the worst case scenario? How could that get wiped out the easiest if you had some crazy sort of move? If the stock gaps sharply higher. That would, that would be the worst possible case. But of course, the worst possible case is 80 cents, right. which in a stock that moves the way this one does is not a huge amount of risk you take. Got it. Okay. Still ahead. Tesla posting its best week in five years, up more than 17%. So is the stock finally back on track? Plus, you got a question for one of the traders? Send a tweet to at options action. If it's nice, we might read it later in the show. We're live at the NASDAQ in Times Square, and there's more options action right after this break. How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course. Get the limited-time offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses. Welcome back to Options Action. It's time to take a look back at some of our open trades. Just last week, Cohen Carter said that Tesla was going to stall out. We got above the line, but we failed. So the problem is by drawing people in and then now undercutting the line, right, which is what we've done now, the real risk is, is that ultimately we're going to now crack in a big kind of way. This is not a good setup. What I'm doing is looking out to September, the 310, 340 call spread, I could sell that for $10.40. All right, so that one didn't go exactly as planned. Tesla just had its best week in five years. Mike, what do you do with that trade now? Okay, so for those of you who follow us on Twitter, and you should, and this is one of the reasons why, you'll know that the day after those earnings results came out, we waited for the stock to open and see how it traded. It actually started to trade higher than it did overnight. That, to me, was a signal that we were clearly wrong on this. And so I closed the position at that point, and, I, and it has since gone significantly higher. I mean, on a fundamental, I don't think the fundamental story has changed that much. You know, in the short term, it's a voting machine, the market, and in the long run, it's a weighing machine, and the weight <laughs> decision hasn't been determined yet. But voting-wise, we are definitely off. Right, this. I mean, obviously, instead of cracking now, in a big way, it popped in a big way. But when you go up 23%, all you can do is get back to where you were a month prior, meaning simply return to where it was the first trading day of July. Nothing has really changed. My hunch is to stay short if you can do it. Dan, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, this is a real battleground stock here. And so I think that the, it's really a trader's delight. I think you're getting these opportunities, and the levels are very well defined. 280 on the downside, 360 on the upside. Five years. And, ha and have a ball and trade it, you know. Two weeks ago, Dan, you said it was time to unfriend Facebook. 
The options market is implying about a 5% move in either direction. That's about $30 billion in market cap. So if you're long the stock and you're thinking about maybe some short-term protection for a move back to that breakout level, I think that makes sense. So today, I was looking at August expiration when the stock was trading at 210. You could buy the August 210, 190 put spread for $5.50, buying one of the August 210 puts for 7 bucks. And Facebook did do a face plant, the stock plummeting 15% since your call, Dan. How do you manage that one now? Well, really interesting. So this Tesla overshot its implied move, but that was a $45 billion market cap. Before this, Facebook was one of the largest stocks in the world at above $700 billion. It lost $120 the next day. Those are really unexpected sort of moves. This was the 210, 190 put spread. The stock traded as low as, I think, 170 or something like that. It's through all the strikes. It's trading like stock, basically, um, the puts. So you basically have no reason to keep this on. You take it off and you move on. I mean, it's price discovery. It's the, the magnitude of the drop uh, and dropping below 170. And today, we, we're right where we opened on the first print after the, the bad news. It belongs here, so to speak, meaning anticipating it, brilliant. But now that it's happened, it's not a buy or a sell. Sometimes stocks belong where they are. And that's the case here. Facebook is fair price, if you could say that. Yeah, I mean, speaking to fair price, I, I actually look at it and I think it's an interesting candidate for possibly selling puts or selling condors or something like that, because I kind of feel like it's found a new level here. Further weakness from here, I'm kind of discounting that somewhat. And this might be one of those things that also, if you happen to own the stock, that you could think about selling some covered calls against it if you're not interested in selling. I don't think you have to. All right, coming up next, your tweets and the final call. It is time to take a tweet, and we have a question from CNBC superfan Ivan the K, who says, August is historically a dead month for volatility, and we're already seeing lower vol. What's a good option strategy if you think there could be a surprise volatility spike in August? What do you think, Mike? I think that's a great question, and I would actually take a look at the September options. August is typically the most expensive time to rent if you're getting a house in the Hamptons, but it's pretty much the cheapest time to rent if you're thinking about buying options. So I would actually take a look out to September, maybe the regular, the two, somewhere between the 275 and 280 strike puts. Those things are going to cost you less than 1% of the current level of SPY. And obviously, if you're thinking vol could spike, you're probably expecting S&P could drop. You think that's a good idea? I, I just want to let Ivan know that Mike rehearsed that whole Hamptons thing in the break. <laughs> 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 All right. Final call time. Carter. Disney long like it for a breakout. Calendars in Disney. AMD call spread risk reversals. All right, that does it for us here on Options Action. But don't go anywhere. You know why? Because Jim Cramer and Mad Money starts right now. How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course. Get the limited-time offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses.